Greetings, Word Horde. We're here with an exciting option for you, a version of our podcast without any ads. That's right. No advertising interruptions, just the content you love, ready to go in your favorite podcast apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's another way to support the show, ensuring that we keep bringing you the word stories and language explorations that you love. Try it at waywardradio.org slash adfree. And it's affordable. For just a small subscription fee, you can enjoy Away With Words uninterrupted, except by us. Plus, it makes a great gift. Know somebody who loves language as much as you do? Give them the gift of words. Easy to sign up, easy to enjoy. It's the same Away With Words, just streamlined for your listening pleasure. Go to waywardradio.org slash adfree. Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience. waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. And Grant, you know, they announced the Ig Nobel Prizes recently. Did I win? (laughs) Not this year, but I think you're a strong contender for next year. As you know, they're a spoof of the Nobel Prizes, and they're given out by the editors of a science humor magazine called The Annals of Improbable Research. And these guys honor academic and scientific research that first makes you laugh and then makes you think. And I have a report on this year's Ig Nobel Prize for Linguistics, and no, you didn't get it. It went to researchers at Barcelona University who proved that rats cannot tell the difference between a person speaking Japanese backwards and a person speaking Dutch backwards. What are they going to do with that? (laughs) I don't know. I guess somebody has to research this stuff. And get this, the Ig Nobel Award for Literature went to one Glenda Brown. Now, she's a librarian and professional indexer in Australia. And Glenda was awarded the Ig Nobel for her scholarly article on the difficulties of indexing the word the. Really? Yeah, yeah. In this scholarly article that she wrote, she asked the question, how should we index the who, or the Hague, or the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? That's more interesting to me than it probably ought to be. (laughs) (laughs) I was afraid of that. And you'll be interested in this too, Grant. Her article appeared in a publication called The Indexer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah, so when you go looking for it, I don't know if you should look under indexer, comma, the, or the indexer, (laughs) but I'm sure you will. (laughs) Well, later on today, we're going to be telling you about more Ig Nobel Prizes, and you can find a link to this year's winners on our own website. That's waywardradio.org. Well, if you have a question about little words, big words, or medium-sized words, give us a call. The number is 1-877-929-9673. That's 1-877-929-WORD. Or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, my name is Suzette. I'm calling from uh, Lakeside area of San Diego, California. Hello, Suzette. How are you? I'm doing well. Will you have a question for us today? I sure do. Um, Well, my mother has always used all these words, and um, a couple of them have been like turkey tail or snatchy ball-headed. Now, wait a minute. Turkey tail? We've talked about snatchy bald-headed. I'm I'm so angry I'm going, snatchy bald-headed. I remember that. But Suzette, what's a turkey tail? Well, she would just call like she would call my son a turkey tail. Hey, come here, you little turkey tail. (laughs) I love that. I've never heard that. Have you, Grant? I've never heard that. Nice. She's from Texas. Oh. That explains a lot of weird behavior. (laughs) (laughs) But but is that what you're calling about today, turkey tail? No. The word that I'm calling about is bread and butter. And it's puzzled me all my growing years and my siblings also. It's a game my mother used to play with us, a somewhat of a game, but when we'd be walking side by side and say like a telephone pole would part our path and we would come back together, she would tap me on the shoulder and say bread and butter. Uh-huh. And I would go along with it, but and I asked, Mom, what does bread and butter mean? She said, well, it just sticks together. We just we stick together like bread and butter. Ah, very Aww. nice. So I was just wondering if that's just something that, you know, that, she made up. I've heard one other person, uh, an older person, uh, say, yeah, I know about bread and butter, but I don't, 
And they were. Can like, I be so hmm? indiscreet as to ask how old your mother is? My mother is seventy-eight years old, and she uh, grew up in Texas. You know, Suzette, this is so interesting because my first exposure to the phrase bread and butter used in exactly that way was in an old Looney Tunes cartoon. I don't know if you ever saw this one or Grant if you did, but but I remember no. from my childhood there was this this cartoon where these two tigers were pacing in a cage going back and forth, back and forth. And every time they went around this pole in the middle of the cage, they said, bread and butter, bread and butter. <laughs> Bread and butter. <laughs> Only, I didn't understand it for the longest time, and I thought they were saying, grandmother, grandmother, grandmother. And I just thought that was the weirdest thing. I, I think it traumatized me at an early age. But, <laughs> but then later I heard somebody say bread and butter when, when I was walking down the sidewalk with them. And, mm-hmm. and I think you're right. I, I think your mother is not pulling your leg here. She's not treating you like a turkey tail. I think she's exactly <laughs> right that, that it's the whole idea of the two of you being as inseparable as bread and butter once they're stuck together. Oh, that's a really nice expression. I like those. I like those. Uh, that reminds me of needles and pins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's a, another. It's, oh. it's similar. Like when I was a kid, if two people said the same thing at the same time accidentally. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, you say, Jinx, you owe Jinx. me a Coke. Yeah. And yep. you could and you could like seal the deal by doing um, hooking pinkies. Oh. <laughs> so you think it might be like a superstition thing? Like so she tapped me first and so she said it first or – it could just be a game without having any larger meaning. It's yeah, my thing. mother my mother was have very playful with her words sometimes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Suzette, this was a great call and thank you for uh bringing this to my I didn't I didn't know the expression bread and butter. This is really cool. Yeah, I do it with my children all the time. They look at me like strange like what are you talking about? Yeah, but they'll, they'll do it with your grandchildren, won't they? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> well, Suzette, thank you for your call. Well, thank you. I love the show. Oh, yay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, Grant, I was thinking about expressions in different languages to describe people who are inseparable like a couple. And mm-hmm. um, there, there are a couple that I, that I really love in Spanish. There's one that translates as they're as inseparable as a fingernail in the dirt under it. And then, then my other favorite one from Argentinian Spanish is they're as inseparable as butt and underwear. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? That's so romantic. Those um, two are as, as as inseparable as butt and underwear. If you have old family sayings or colloquial expressions or dialect terms that you'd like to hear, give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or email us at words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello, Martha. This is Bob from Heartland, Wisconsin. Hiya, Bob. Welcome. Hi, Bob. It's Grant. Hi, Grant. Nice to talk with you. So what's up, Bob? Well, my business partner and I were sitting around our hotel room one night, and we were looking at our website, and we started talking about the word website and whether or not it was one word or two words. Mm -hmm. I had said that web was an adjective that describes the noun site, Mm -hmm. and I thought it was one word. Mm -hmm. And so we started looking it up on the Internet, and we found that half the dictionaries had it as one word, the other half had it as two separate words. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, well, maybe we would write to you guys and try and find out when does a word become a compound word. Which side are you on? I'm on the side that uh, it's a compound word now because it's so commonly used. And the adjective and noun have been combined now into just one noun, website. Hmm. Well, now, do you have Dave there? Can can he speak for himself? Yes, I'm here. My name is Dave, and I'm in Ojai, California. I think website is two words with a capital W, and I was uh, told this by an old friend of mine who's a longtime copy editor who swears by AP style, the Bible of newspaper style, and he said that, Web is short for World Wide Web, which is a proper noun. And so web would be capitalized in this instance, and it would be two words, website. Likewise, web page in AP style, the W is capitalized, and there are two words. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, th- I think we're going to pair off here. And, Bob, I'm going with you. And, Grant, I- Dave, you sound like a brilliant man. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the argument. Here's Grant's and- argument. Here's here here are the facts, and everything else is just like frippery and foolishness. <laughs> but here are the facts. <laughs> the thing is, actually, web in websites a noun acting attributively. 
So it's not really an adjective, though it's acting a little bit like an adjective. And my logic actually is a little different than yours where you say we don't make a web page one word, which we don't. Nobody, nobody does and I actually do. gets away with You're it. You're saying that do website you? should be two words. Cap- Absolutely. No, no. Capital Web page is not. two words. Oh, come FTP on. site is two words. Gopher site is two words. Bob, help me out. Well, I got an email from you that has the word newsletter in it. And how is that any different from website? How is that any different from website, Grant? <laughs> because web because is a website name. is a word that's fewer than 25 years old. But Grant, you newsletters had ages to ages to age and change. This word was changed arbitrarily <sighs> without actually judging the evidence properly, and the evidence <sighs> still shows. Two to one, that website is two words is far more common than website is one word. And web is a proper noun is the proper way to do it. So my question is, when does a word become commonly used and formed together to make a compound word? We don't have one language authority here like other countries do. So what you do is pick the style guide and the dictionary that seem to match what you already believe, and then you trust their advice on things that you're not sure about. That's right. Grant is a cafeteria grammarian. He just picks and chooses what he wants. Here's something interesting. Uh, yes. AP Style Guide, and, and I'm a longtime journalist, so I swear by AP. Uh-oh. Lists webcam, webcast, and webmaster all as one word. And oh, they right. explain that they are related cast. terms. They're related terms with their own meaning and they're not part of the actual web. That's uh, right, because cam and cast, at least those in webcast and webcam, those are formatives. They're not actually full words. Webmasters also has a precedent in all the other different words that take master. So oh, we have please. a precedent. With site, with site, we have very few words that take site and form one word. Very few. Hey, Bob and Dave, this was a great call. Thanks for... <laughs> I know we didn't solve a darn thing, but... We um, didn't. But, but, Bob, you know, but obviously Bob is right. <laughs> Dave, I'll buy you a drink next time I see you, all right? Sounds good. Take all care. Right, take care, you guys. All right, Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 I guess we didn't help, did we? But you know what? I mean, Grant, you You're and I... You're a bitter I... woman, Barnett. <laughs> I am an old and bitter woman. <laughs> No, you know, I mean, honestly, Grant, you and I have fought about this so many times in email that I don't know if you've noticed, but if you go back and look at my recent emails lately, I've been talking about our site. I didn't even use web anymore. I talk about our site, waywardradio.org. It's a fool's game to make prognostications about language, but I've done it, and I've predicted that actually the term web will fall away completely as part of Arthur C. Clarke's third law. And actually, the Internet as a whole, including the web, will become so integrated in our lives and our hardware and our furniture that it will basically disappear like electricity. It will become a part of the furniture, a part of the building, and we won't really even think about it anymore and how we're getting the data that we're getting. Oh, my gosh. So site, site itself might actually just go poof. Wait, site or web? Both. You're kidding. Wow. Yeah. And in the meantime, if you'd like to set our houses against each other with a linguistic dispute of your own, call us. The number is 1-877-929-9673 or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Grant, you ready for another Ig Nobel Prize? Shoot. How about this one? A couple of years ago, the Ig Nobel Peace Prize went to Daisuke Inoue of Japan for inventing karaoke, quote, thereby providing an entirely new way for people to learn to tolerate each other. <laughs> I love karaoke. I think it's fantastic. I know. I keep waiting to see you uh, sing Feelings. <laughs> no, no, no. Jack and Diane's my song. Oh, Jack and Diane. Yeah, yeah. I can see you. I can see you rocking out to that. Well, if you'd like to share the microphone with us, call us at one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. Coming up, it's a capital quiz and more of your calls. Stick around. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. And we're joined once again by our very own quiz guy, Greg Pliska. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing great, Martha. Thank you for uh, having me once again. Well, hello, Greg. What do you got for us today? I have got a puzzle, of course, Grant. No. Yes, really? indeed. Where, where's you the money have. you promised? <laughs> <laughs> no, I give you the money after you get the puzzle. Uh, all right. Um, Those pennies sure do come in handy. Yeah, they do. <laughs> pennies from heaven. Um uh, this puzzle is is actually uh, based upon an earlier puzzle we did. Um, of all the puzzles we've done together, the one that's gotten the most fan mail has been a puzzle called State State Capitals. Well, I've decided to broaden our horizons today with a puzzle called A Whirl of World Capitals. Uh-oh. Oh, my. 
Or we might say we're Havana Dilly of a time. <laughs> yeah, oh, Havana, no. Cuba. And, of course, Dilly, the capital of East Timor. Um, once again, I'll read you a sentence with a blank in it, and your job is to complete the sentence with the name of a world capital. And remember, spelling is not important. What's important is the sound of the word. And in some cases, you can be liberal with your pronunciation. So let's try an example. Here's the sentence. These puzzles are twice as hard as the previous ones. Why must you keep blank the difficulty? Compounding. So. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> capital, the Camp- new capital of Burma. <laughs> compounding. <laughs> oh, no. Grant, I think we're in trouble. So you're, is, it, is it something that begins with two? No. No, you're on the right track, though. Twice as hard is your, is your clue there. If you're going to De- make something. Oh, I know. Oh, I, know I heard the Dublin. light bulb go off. Dublin. Ah. Dublin. Why must you keep doubling oh, the difficulty? That's oh, very no. good. That's awful, but great. How does that work out? That's funny. So if you're ready. It's like acne. It means you're a teenager, but yet you've got the acne. <laughs> right. What are you trying to say about Dublin? No, <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. Some of my best white nights were spent in Dublin. Okay. Are you ready to give it a whirl? Yes. All right. Here we go. Because mom wanted an expensive blank, went shopping at Louis Vuitton. Mom wanted because it. mom wanted an expensive blank, went shopping at Louis Vuitton. I have it. Oh, the light bulbs are going off out there again. You want to venture a guess, Grant? Oh, we would. It's ganging up on Grant. <laughs> Hello, two on one. Wait, let me get the what do the rules say? It's not written in the rules. It doesn't say that. Um, I don't know. Moskva. Purse. I have no idea. <laughs> Synonym for purse would be... Handbag. Oh, bag. good. Good, track. good. Um, sack. No, no. no. Right. Uh, bag. Oh, hand. Bag. 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 Oh, Baghdad. No. Yes. Way to go. Is it? <laughs> because mom wanted an expensive uh, bag, dad went shopping uh, at Louis Vuitton. Uh, right. Oh, World Capitals. Is good work, Grant. Oh. <laughs> All right. Here's Baghdad, another one. I've heard of that. Dorothy certainly didn't rank getting out of blank on her wish list. Um, I was going to say Oz High. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think you're on the right Kansas. track. Dorothy Osmandius. No. <laughs> Dorothy didn't rank getting out of blank Oz? on her wish list. Oslo. Oslo. Dorothy didn't rank Oslo on her wish list. Dorothy certainly didn't rank getting out of Oslo on her wish list. How about another? All right. Here's another. From Conrad Hilton through Larry Fortensky, just how many times has blank married? Liz Boa? (laughs) (laughs) Don't go for the obvious capital city. Go for a more obscure city or a a different pronunciation of it. So it's not Paris? No, not Lisbon. Not that hill. Yes, I was, Lisbon. How many times Lisbon? You got to just like blah you gotta, the vowel. You got to oh, step Lisbon married. Lisbon. Yeah. From Conrad Hilton <laughs> through Larry Fortensky, just how many times has Lisbon married? Lisbon, Lisbon. Uh, Hilton through Fortensky, just how many times? She was married to Hilton? Conrad Hilton I was her first time. How about that? Yeah. Wow. How many times has Liz been married? All right, here's a good one. You'll get this one right away. Oh, right. I bet, yeah, Yeah. sure. To us, it looks like a whole line of X's, but to a Greek, it's a blank. What? A line of X's? Are we talking about Elizabeth Taylor again? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's very good. Yeah, Lisbon is the answer once again. <laughs> Wait, is it is line of X's? So an X, yeah, to yeah. a Greek is what? An X. He. No. He. Or pronounce Kai. Oh, Kai. Right. <laughs> to a whole line of X, it looks to like a whole line of X's, a line of X's to us, but to a Greek. It's a Kai 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 Kai. Yep. So now you just need a capital city that's <laughs> um, that starts with the syllable Kai. Um, Somewhere Kai in the Middle Kago? East. No. Um, Cairo. Cairo. Oh, Cairo. No. Cairo. Oh, you know, Man. I, I feel my skin thickening with the. It's my natural defense against puns. This is nothing but puns. We got puns for days. My claws oh, my. are growing out too. Holy moly! <laughs> Turn in and. 
Uh, you uh, some the- people have a full moon when they turn, but I need puns before <laughs> I just become an animal. Wow, Greg, I don't even know what to say, but uh, thank you very much. Splendid. And no, it was good. All teasing aside, that was a, a huge amount of work for all three of us, I it's think. A but- <laughs> you both have such type A personalities. Get it? Type A. Oh, oh man. Come I'll have on, to Grant. Cobble come to- up with one. <laughs> I'll cobble together another batch of Oh, these stop. Time. Stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll make those triply difficult. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, if you think you can vex our brains even better than Greg Pliska, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Andrea calling from Port Angeles, Washington. Hello, Andrea. What's going on? I have a singles ad that I cut out of a newspaper about twelve years ago and I'm looking I'm trying to figure out what the guy is looking for. In fact, um, yeah, I, I forgot that I had the ad, and it wasn't until I changed wallets a couple of weeks ago that I refound the ad, and now you guys exist to help me answer my question. So the ad was so good that you saved it. This must be some ad. Well, the word that I don't know reaches across the entire width of the column, which is how it caught my eye. Can you read the ad to us? Sure. It says, single, blonde, blue-eyed, Southtown male... 25, seeking female paraterosiomaniac with extensive knowledge of oscillation. Of oscillation? Yes. Oscillation? Well, I'm oscillation, sure I know what that one means. I, could, I looked that one up. How do you spell Wait. that? Um, uh, O-S-C-U-L-A-T-I-O-N. Oh, osculation. Okay, sorry, osculation. Yeah, and what does osculation mean? Uh, that has to do with kissing. Right. You know, he's coming off as a typical singles ad guy. Right. When he's looking for that. Except right. for that one big $25 word. Yes. Wow. Okay, now, do you want me to spell that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's P-A-R-A-T-E-R-E-S-E-O. M-A-N-I-A-C. So he's looking for a paraterisiomaniac with extensive knowledge of osculation. Yeah. Wow. Now, why didn't you just answer the ad? You know, I have no idea why I didn't answer. I mean, wouldn't that be worth the cost of a bad day, you know? <laughs> we could track him down. Southtown, what city? Uh, this would have been in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> so what do you think the word means? Uh, you know the what the Buffalo market was like. Would there <laughs> other guys looking? I mean, there might have been other guys looking for the same thing but using different words. Well, you know, if I, when I broke it down with the prefixes, I know of, like, paralegals. Mm-hmm. So right. it's like almost you know someone who has a little bit of knowledge of the legal system, or you know like um, not as much as a lawyer. But then the T E R E part, I have no idea what kind of prefix that might be. Andrea, I can tell you what it means. I'm I'm so happy. <laughs> you know those books that have a lot of really strange words in them. These collections of of all these weird big words that you can impress people with. Mm-hmm. Well, this word shows up in some of those books, paraterisiomaniac or paraterisiomania, from the Greek word meaning to watch closely. And it's usually defined as someone who is really crazy about seeing new sights. Isn't that great? And so I thought, well, you know, that's that's a really positive adjective, but... Mm Then I I happened to see in a dictionary of psychological disorders <laughs> that a paraterisiomaniac is a voyeur. Aha. Uh-huh. So oh. I'm kind of thinking, I mean, I, I wonder about the poor guy who who took out that ad because maybe he was trying to impress everybody with his wanderlust, but um, anybody who's familiar with, with that <laughs> term as a psychological term might have run the other way. Oh, wow. Well, I never get to talk about this word, so it's it's really <laughs> thrilling for me to do so. Well, I appreciate your help. It's, I finally have an answer. After 15, and how many years? About 12 or 15, yeah. Oh, 12, wow. 12 or 15. That's a really long time not to change your wallet. What do you have, like a George Costanza wallet? A really <laughs> big fat one with stuff flowing out of it? <laughs> Andrea, thank you for a wonderful call. Thank you for your help. Yeah, I enjoy thanks. your show right. a lot. Great. And, right. and let us know how that ad turns out. I'm really curious. For sure. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. 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 
Martha, you yes. you you rock, lady. Holy mackerel, that's stupendous. Thank you. Anything I, that will get <laughs> any reason to bring your Greek dictionaries down off the shelf, and you're a happy woman. I am. It did take me a long time, though, to figure that one out. If you've got a long-standing question or a puzzle that you've been dying to find out the answer, actually better if a word has been a burr under your saddle for 12 or 15 years, give us a call. <laughs> The number is one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or pop us an email. The address is words at waywardradio.org. And if you need help writing a personals ad, we've got quite a vocabulary. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, how you doing? Hi. Hey, who is this? This is Josh from Pittsburgh. Hello, Josh. What's going on? Well, uh, I have a slight pet peeve, and I wanted to know if you guys could confirm it for me that I'm a correct. A slight pet peeve? Wait a second. I thought pet peeves were like the word unique. They weren't gradable. They were either unique or not, or peeves or not. <laughs> this... I, I'm trying to be polite because <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I would say the pet peeve would probably not be uh, high enough on the scale of, of, of annoyance for this word. How about I'm trying your, to be your, polite. your pet T-Rex peeve? That's right. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's my, my, my big peeve. Ooh, your big peeve. And this is a, a pet peeve free to a good home, huh? Yes. Okay. It's, it's, it's the word utilize. Utilize. It, it, it grates on me like fingers on blackboard. It is, it is a horrible, horrible word that's overused. And uh, from what I understand, and I was always raised, that uh, utilize means to use something other than what its intended purpose was for. So you would utilize a dime to go and fasten a screw but you would use a screwdriver. Hmm. But I spent 20 years in the military, and they just threw away the word use, and they use utilize all the time. Actually, I guess they would utilize utilize all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> they weren't using it for the purpose in which it was intended. Right. Well, I know that, that I've railed against um, the word utilize myself because it, it's overused. Uh, You've just scrutinized as, the word utilize I've a couple scrutinized times utilize and people's use of utilize and overutilization of utilize because, because I do think that it's one of those great big styrofoam words that when you pick it up in business jargon, it's, it's really light and, and sort of useless. It makes me uncomfortable, too. I, I wouldn't come out completely against it, but I would say almost every time I hear it, it's, it's wrongly used, almost every single time. Well, if I, if I could, it, it seems like everybody who, who agrees with me tends to agree with me just because it's a five-cent word for a one-cent purpose. Hmm. But my argument is that it's actually the wrong word. Mm-hmm. I I'm, I agree with you there. I'm, I'm looking at Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of English Usage, and they make a distinction like that, too. They say that, it, that utilize means to turn to practical use or account. For example, in, this, in, the, um, in the passage, women who want to work at jobs that utilize their full potential, that means something a little bit different from use, doesn't it? Well, I think so. I, I think so, too. I think so, too. So I guess what I'm saying is there is a place for utilize, but it's a much more specific meaning than what people have generalized it to mean. And that's what you're saying, too, right, Josh? <laughs> yes, it is. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because I'm about ready to start a website and, and a, a national campaign uh, to, to stop the, the word used wrong. Wait a second. Peavers and ranchers on the internet? No. <laughs> Peaversandranchers.com? I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Josh, for raising that Josh, excellent point. Best of luck out there. Oh, you too. All Bye. right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. The number to call if you want to talk to us about something that's been getting your goat is one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. That's right. Use your computer to contact us. Hi, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Mark from the Scripps Ranch area of San Diego. Mark, welcome. Hiya, Mark. Hi. What's up? Well, got a word that I've wondered about for a long time. Um, the word is insegrievious. Insegrievious. Huh? Insegrievious. How the heck are you spelling that? Um, well, I have no idea. I mean, I can guess, but, it, you know, it, I-N-S-E-G-R-I-E-V-O-U-S. Wow. Can you do that faster? No. <laughs> <laughs> Insegrievious. And, and I'm not worried so much about whether it's a real word, because I don't care. Um, but the, the word comes from a guy named Gary Owens, who you may know. 
Um, as the, beautiful downtown Burbank. Right. right. With, the, with the hand over his ear. Right. Or the voice of Space Ghost or, you know, whatever. Oh, but yes. He, Space he's a, Ghost. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done a ton of that kind of stuff. And he, he claims to have invented the word, and, and most of the world believes him. Hmm. And I heard him describe the word once a long time ago, and he described it as coming from a class of words whose meaning is malleable, to the extent that it can mean two different things at the same time. And an example would be if your boss says, what do you think of my report? And you say, why, it's insegrievious. And he thinks you mean one thing and you think it means another. And so my question is more uh, about, first of all, does that class of words actually exist? And if it does, what's it called? And if it doesn't, should it? (laughs) <laughs> um, there's a problem with this word, Mark. Mm-hmm. First of all, is that it's Gary's word, right? And so he's taking, I guess, the privileged place of defining it any way he likes. And exactly. I'll tell you, he's been using this word since the mid '60s. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it as far back as like 1965. It's always in connection to him. It's always his word. Hmm. He owns it. Some other people have used it. But in 1968, this is how he described the word. And it's a little different than what you just said. So I suspect that he's changed his story over the years. Or I got I'm going to quote him, all right? He said, <laughs> insegrevious, and he spells it I-N-S-E-G-R-E-V-I-O-U-S. Insegrevious is a freedom word. You can use it any way you like, like a diplomat, for instance. If somebody <laughs> asks you what you think of your boss, you can say, He's absolutely insegrievious. The guy you're talking to can think what he wants. You can think what you want. <laughs> That's like so, telling somebody after you've kept their kids for the afternoon, your kids were as good as they could be. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly like that. But the key here is he's basically created a nonsense word. And that's what nonsense words are. They're, they have the form of a word. They can be pronounced and said aloud, and they can be spelled and written and typed and printed. But they actually don't have a fixed meaning because they're nonsense words. I can't think of any other word that's, that's like that where you could really, or a class of words where you could take it one of two ways and you could fake people out with it. Well, it's not one of two ways. It's any way. I think you've asked a very insegrievious question. There we are. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Mark, so much. All you right. Bye-bye. 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 If you have a question for us, we're waiting here insegrievously. So call us at one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, Or you can email us at words at waywardradio.org. Support for Away With Words comes from WordSmart, the vocabulary building software. Improving your vocabulary, reading comprehension, and critical thinking skills will increase your chances for success. Learn more online at wordsmart.tv. And from iUniverse, supported self-publishing. Is there a book in you? Find out how to publish it at 1-800-AUTHORS or learn more online at iUniverse.com. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. And it's time for another round of Slang This. Today's contestant is Fred Valenzano from Bakersfield, California. Fred, are you with us? Yes, I am. All right. Say hi to Grant. Hi, Grant. Hello, Fred. What's going on in Bakersfield? You know, uh, it's uh, basically the same old thing here. We are uh, hanging out on a lovely day and listening to Away With Words. You ready to play a quiz? Absolutely. Do you, do you have a favorite slang term you'd like to share with us first? Uh, I would say my favorite slang term and the thing I'm most likely to use uh, on a recurring basis is a, a word, cheese ball. I would say the meaning behind that is emanates from something being cheesy or maybe just a little off or, or kind of like that, that cheese ball that's still sitting on the counter there after everybody else has had the hors d'oeuvres and all the good stuff is gone, you know, the chocolate-covered strawberries are gone, <laughs> right. but the cheese ball with one little slice out of it is still sitting there. Right. The one with that. the nuts on the outside, right? Yeah, that big hunk. <laughs> yes. Well, how about if we see how good you are at guessing the meaning of some other slang terms? Well, I would love to take a shot at that. All right. Well, here's how we play, Fred. Grant's going to give you a slang term, and then he's going to present you with three possible examples of how it might be used. Only one of them is real, and the other two are bogus. So your job is going to be to tell us which example is the real thing. Three choices, one answer. You got it? Yep. Okay, cheese ball, take it away. 
<laughs> All right, here we go. The first term in today's quiz is soup spitter. That's two words with a hyphen. S-O-U-P-S-P-I-T-T-E-R. Soup spitter. And the first usage clue is some zoo chimps are feces flingers. Others are soup spitters. The soup spitters are the ones you see taking big gulps of water and then spraying the windows. The second one. The judge dismissed the charges, saying that although the obnoxious boy was sure to come to no good, at this point he was merely a soup spitter and no threat to the community. And the third one. At the end of the dry season, the long-legged flock of soup spitters joined the other water birds in flight and headed north to their breeding grounds. So, there are your three clues. So, Fred, is it A, a chimpanzee in the zoo that spits water at zoo-goers, B, a troublemaking young man, or C, a type of waterfowl. Wow, that's it's terrible because when you said that, I had I had another whole idea in my mind. What oh, was really? it? Well, I was think I was imagining somebody telling a joke at the dinner table that was <laughs> such a good joke it was a soup spitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's good. So Grandma Marge down at the end of the table went, you know, and <laughs> she she did a spit take then. I like that. That's that's too bad that that's not in the group there. So, well, we could pencil in D, but you'd still be wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Gee, that's it's it's kind of hard because A seems to have more credibility. Uh, B is sounds reasonable, and C sounds like a stretch. Like we just had to throw a third one in there. Oh, now come wow. now. <laughs> deductive reasoning here. Uh oh. You're in trouble, Grant. Did you say defective reasoning? No, deductive. <laughs> oh, okay. I said defective reasoning. No, these are brilliant. I, I, great, I take great pains with these and even the fake ones. Yes, so no, I, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um, a sounds pretty, pretty hairy to me. That sounds like it's uh, like, like that's got some legs. So you're saying a, a soup spitter is a chimp in the zoo that spits water at zoo goers? I've seen those. I uh, I I think that that has more credibility in my mind than the kid, the bad kid, you know, who's who's a soup a soup spitter. Hmm, do you well, have think, kids? The thing is, Fred, it, it actually is the kid. Oh, Whoa, yeah, no, really? a soup spitter. Because because think about it, spitting your soup at your parents or at the dinner table is kind of a minor <laughs> infraction. So it's somebody who's not quite beyond all hope, and there's a chance they might grow up to be a responsible adult. Yes. Okay. I, so I'm, the answer, unfortunately, is B, a troublemaking young man. B. So you ready for the next one? Sure. The next one is trailer queen. That's two words, T-R-A-I-L-E-R-Q-U-E-E-N, trailer queen. And the first clue, there are trailer queens attached to every section of the federal budget. Those small paragraphs right along in a piece of legislation sucking money away for pork and boondoggles and special interests. Mm, wow, so political. The second clue. Mm. Don LaFontaine is one of the most famous announcers in the world. He's the trailer queen who says things like, in a world where nothing is for certain, in movie previews. <laughs> I know world, Don I LaFontaine. This. Not personally, but Do I you? know exactly who you're talking about. Um, and then the third clue. He eased the trailer queen down the ramp, being careful not to scratch it, or, for that matter, to even get a fingerprint on it. That vintage roadster was a thing of beauty, and he mm. couldn't even stand to drive it for fear it would get dirty. So there are your three clues, Fred. Which one is it? Is it A, the name of the parts of bills that spend government money on pet projects? Is it B, a man who does the voiceovers for movie trailers? Or is it C, a mint-conditioned automobile that is never driven? Wow, that is that is really tough because now all of those sound really good. You know, <laughs> been to car shows and seen those show, seen those cars that never come off the trailer, and you know, I've seen the commercials with Don LaFontaine in a man barely alive and something like that. Oh, do, hey, let's let's hear it, Fred. <laughs> come on, in a world where nothing is for certain. <gasps> oh, my gosh. There we go. Hello. The real radio announcer voice there, you know. Wow. <clears throat> so wow, you think that's the one? some copy. Do you, do you think it's the second one? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'll phone it in. Yeah. Do you think a trailer queen is a man who does movie trailers? I really think that it's, again, I think that it's A. It really does sound like 
the sort of especially because of all the detail that you put into that clue if it's if it's a if it's really a red herring or whatever unfortunately trailer queen is a mint condition automobile that is never driven that makes sense Who and knew? you know you're right you go to these you go to these automobile shows and these things are beautiful. There's not a fleck of dust. Well, they, they tip them up on their sides. They, they jack them up at a 30-degree or 45-degree angle and put mirrors under the car so you can see how beautiful the underside of the car is, too. <laughs> I'm sorry, Fred, but you're, you're 0 for 2, but it doesn't mean you're not a good person. Oh, well, thanks. I was worried that my whole, uh, my whole self-worth was going to be hanging on my quality on the show here. <laughs> it is. Oh no! Oh, no. We're gonna read about <laughs> no. read him about him in the paper tomorrow. He's gonna have <laughs> thrown his recycling in the street instead of putting it nicely in a can. <laughs> yeah, in the canal. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. That was fun. I really do love what you guys do and appreciate the show. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for playing with us today, Fred. Great. Thanks a lot, Grant. Hey, and by the way, Fred, before you get away, I want to let you know that we're going to send you a copy of Grant's book, The Oxford Dictionary of American Political Slang. Oh, that sounds really rich and juicy. It is. Yes, sir. That's wonderful. Yeah, you should wait for the movie. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) In a world where political slang. It'll be epic, yes. (laughs) In a world where political slang can be baffling. Yes, more, more, more. (laughs) What what would you say, Grant, in a world where... I would say, and listeners, if you'd like to join our quiz on the air, the number is 1-877-929-WORD, or email us at words at waywardradio.org. Be sure to include all your phone numbers and your favorite slang word. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Margaret from Southwest Wisconsin. What are you thinking about today? Oh, well, I I listen to your show. Thank you very much. It's a reassuring show in so many ways. And it was for this reason that I called in, because I hear over and over in my house when I'm leaving to go drive somewhere, drive safe. And, you know, I've tried for years to say, safely, please drive safely. But I need some help. And I need some solace from Martha and Grant because I'm not getting it in my household. And breathe deeply. I just want to say here your argument is just to clarify that safe is an adjective and safely is an adverb, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I noticed you didn't mention who was saying drive. No, it's better. I don't want to hurt feelings. It's just that I'm just looking for a little bit of oh, understanding from the two of you, so... It would make me feel better. Oh, well, Margaret, you have it from me. I mean, I would, I would just... Thank you, Martha. You're welcome. Margaret, I guess the question that I would have for this unnamed person in your household who tells you to drive... <coughs> Husband. <laughs> Husband. <laughs> this unnamed person in your household who tells you to drive safe, does this unnamed person in your household also drive a car that has a bumper sticker that says, Think Global, Act Local? Not yet. But he would if he could. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. He's very particular about bumper stickers. Uh. Well, yes, Margaret, I I am here to reassure you that. Thank you, Martha. That uh, you're welcome. That as you and I were taught growing up, uh, adverbs modify verbs, adjectives, other adverbs, and a few other things. And uh, in this case, you want an adverb to modify drive there. I agree. That's the correct way to speak. I would encourage, however, appreciating the sentiment is sometimes better than um, quibbling over the method in which it's delivered. But Grant, this isn't rocket surgery. It's easy. It's an expression of love and care. (laughs) You two are a great balance. You're a great balance. Do you think? No, really, yeah. You know, all right, so it's not 100% grammatical, but... It's an informal situation, and somebody saying, I care about you, please drive safe. Lee. Lee. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Lee, it's an adverb. And I, I, mean, I also want to say, if this other person happens to be, say, your spouse, mm. I, f- I hope that this is the largest argument that you have. Probably. Margaret, if he really loves you, he'll use an adverb. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the line has been drawn. Oh, you guys are Dictionaries great. will be thrown tonight. <laughs> That's right. Well, you have to choose your battles. And, and this, yeah. don't you think you could concede on this one? Um, you know, just by talking to the two of you, I feel better already. Oh, uh, do you? Well, that's Yeah, good. I do. I really do. Wow. Because there was some point that I was thinking, hmm, maybe it doesn't need an L-Y. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and then I heard your show last week, so I, I thought I'd call in and <sighs> feel better. And I do. So thank you, Martha and Grant. Awesome. Take care of yourself, Margaret. And drive thank safely. You. Thank you, Margaret. <laughs> Bye-bye. You're thank welcome. You, Grant. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. If you've got a language dispute that needs resolving, we are the arbiters. Give us a call at one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Well, I promised you more winners of the recent Ig Nobel Prizes, those awards for academic research that first makes you laugh and then makes you think. The 2005 Ig Nobel Prize for Economics was awarded to Gary Nanda of MIT for inventing a shag carpet-covered alarm clock on wheels. Now, when you hit the snooze button, this is so brilliant, when you hit the snooze button, the alarm clock rolls off the nightstand, then runs away and hides repeatedly, thus ensuring (laughs) that you will actually get out of bed. Or murder somebody. (laughs) In the morning, I don't want that. Well, quit snoozing and give us a call at 1-877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello, this is Beth calling from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Hi, Hi Beth. How you doing? Hi. Pretty good. What do you do in Waukesha? Um, I work as a reference librarian. My mother-in-law is a librarian in Iowa. It's, uh, oh, really? Yes, librarians okay. have a special place in my family. Yeah. Okay, well, I ran up against a word which has the librarian stumped. The word is estuary. And here's what happened. Uh, This summer, my husband and I went on kind of a nature study week to the Oregon coast, and in one of the talks, they mentioned an estuary being the area where an inland river runs into the ocean. And I thought, okay, but I'm from Wisconsin, and I know that um, in what we call Door County, we have the Mink River estuary. That is the place where the Mink River runs into Lake Michigan, which is a freshwater lake versus an ocean. So I was trying to figure out if we need to have salt water here in order for this to really be an estuary or what, and I can't really nail it down. (laughs) So you're calling us and not the Army Corps of Engineers? Um, I thought this would be more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Get with it, Martha. (laughs) My main question is I'm trying to figure out whether the larger body of water has to be salt water or can it be fresh water. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, let's talk about the word estuary. And usually the pronunciation is estuary, like estu which um, is kind of surprising. So anyway, it comes from, from a Latin word that has the idea of different things coming together and churning. So your question is, can it only be freshwater, right? Or, or can it only be saltwater? You know, is, there, mm. is it one or the other, or mm. can it be both? Okay. Well, Beth, I have a feeling that we're going to get flooded as it were, with emails from estuary experts, I can tell you that there has been a certain amount of controversy in the scientific world over whether there is such a thing, such a subset as a freshwater estuary. Okay. I have one point to make on this. I understand Thank goodness. that one of the ways that this was resolved or could be resolved is just understanding that an estuary is always tidal. That is, it's one non-tidal body of water flowing into a tidal body of water. And Lake Michigan is a tidal body of water. It feels the effects of the tides, does it not? The... Well, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, we do get waves on Lake Michigan, but um, it's, you know, I thought maybe that was the tides were only for large bodies of water like oceans. Yeah, that's but I think I, I think the Lake too. Michigan is large enough. To, to, I think it is definitely large enough to, to feel them. Wow. Well, you know what, Beth, you've you've put it out there, and we're going to put it out there, and and as I said, we'll probably be um, inundated with um, (laughs) all kinds of information about this. You guys have a – reference librarians have a a Stumper's email list, right? I believe we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they – Well, there is an email list. uh, It's actually changed places a few times. It was called Stumper's. It used to be now. It's called Project Wombat. And if you Google that, it's a great place to post these kinds of questions. And actually, I love to browse it just to find interesting new tidbits. Because Grant is a big nerd. (laughs) Project Wombat. 
Uh-oh, yes. she's on the case. <laughs> okay. She's a reference library. She'll find it in no time flat. And uh, take a look at their archives because uh, you'll get lost. You'll start with estuaries and end up talking about <laughs> porcupines in Asia. Because <laughs> it's really interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. Well, Beth, thanks so for... So I hope we've been yeah. of some help for you today, Beth, even though there's not a, a definitive answer there. <laughs> okay, and I appreciate having the new website to look at also. Okay. Yay. Thanks for calling, right. Beth. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. The number to call about language, words, grammar, literature, and things that have been written down and spoken out loud is one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send us an email anytime, day or night, words at waywardradio.org. Have another Ig Nobel Prize for you, Grant. All right, let's hear it. Okay. Last year's Ig Nobel Peace Prize went to Howard Stapleton for inventing a device that makes annoying high-pitched noise designed to be audible to teenagers but not to adults, thus creating an electromechanical teenager repellent that can be used by businesses to discourage teens from hanging around. I heard about that, but do you know what the you problem with that is? <laughs> yes, I heard about that. You know, some adults can hear that frequency. I'm one of those people, and it would drive me bananas. <laughs> it seems the overachieving Mr. Stapleton went on to use that same technology to make telephone ringtones that are audible to teenagers, but probably not to their teachers. I think that's brilliant, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any case, we hope you'll call us, and Grant will be able to hear the ringtone even if I can't. The number is 1-877-929-9673. Send us your super secret inventions or your language questions to words at waywardradio.org. Our senior producer is Stephanie Levine. Away With Words is edited by Tim Felton. We've had production assistance from Robert Fung and Dana Polakowski. Away With Words is produced at Studio West in San Diego. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett, inviting you to join us next time, right here on Away With Words. either, either. Neither, neither, let's call the whole thing off You say potato, I say patata You say tomato, I say creole tomato Oh, let's call the whole thing off